Hello and welcome to Take It or Leave It. It's a Christian podcast to encourage us all to implement real change in our lives based on the teachings of Jesus so that when the rapture occurs, we may all be caught up to meet Jesus Christ in the air. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. I'm your host, Madison Santiago. Hello and welcome back to Take It or Leave It. Most recently on this podcast, we have been talking about getting out of spiritual Egypt. And if you haven't heard that podcast, I encourage you to listen to it tonight. And on the most recent podcast, we have been talking about getting to the wilderness where there is nothing. And it got me thinking, when are we put into service to start to serve God? To truly serve God? We are put into service when the Holy Spirit enters us in that moment. Right? And the Holy Spirit is so needed by us because we are in the flesh. We are so weak. And without the Holy Spirit, nothing will be possible for the Lord. Right? And Jesus was even led by the Holy Spirit uh, when he was here on earth. Right? So how much more do we need to be led by the Holy Spirit, those who are here who are not Jesus? Right? We are just flesh and Jesus is uh, God. Right? When he was on earth, he was 100% man and 100% God. So on Sundays and even Fridays and even Saturdays, I'm part of a ministry who warns about the coming of the Antichrist. And this is what we're going to be talking about today, Uh, mentioning the Antichrist, but also talking about what else is coming. So we know that the Antichrist is coming and we don't just warn about the coming of the Antichrist. We encourage servants to have hope because the rapture is also coming. Right, so what is the rapture? It is a, a divine event where the Holy Spirit comes to gather those who are spirit-filled. And the Bible talks about this, and the Bible also discusses the tribulation, which is perilous times. Right, We've talked about this in previous podcasts. People are lovers of self, and Paul warns us to turn away from these people because surely they are in the church. Right, Just because you go to church does not mean you are not part of this world as well. Right? And, and Paul reminds us and tells us, turn away from these people. Why? Because they're going to distract from the progress of God. They're going to stop the growth. Paul doesn't say to hate them. In fact, we love them. We just choose not to work alongside them for the glory of God. Right? And we're going to see a lot of this type of person, this lover of self, right, in the end times. We're going to see a lot of things in the end times. We're going to see the Antichrist. There's going to be some sort of one world order because there has to be peace, right? So everything the same, one religion. And this one religion is going to have a fake born again spirit. Why do I say it's fake? Because the Antichrist is going to be very deceptive. Everything that he is, is deception in Satan. And there will be many that are, are fooled and truly deceived. So Paul writes in Thessalonians, right? And he is addressing brothers, brethren. What is that? That's the church. He's talking to the church. He's talking to you and me. Specifically in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul writes about the comfort of Christ's coming. And it says, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him those who sleep in Jesus. 
For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the sound of a trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Right? So we don't just warn. We comfort. You know, when I read this, it's so clear. Those who are asleep are those who have died. Right? And if you died having serving God, you are going to rise first. And then those who are alive and remain are just like me and you now. Where we have flesh, we have a beating heart. We're here on earth. We are alive and we remain. Then we will be caught up after the dead in Christ, those who were asleep, because they will go first. We will go after. We will meet the Lord in the air. So I don't know what we will be standing on, if we will be flying. I'm not sure, but I do know that we are not on earth. We'll be in the air and we will always be with the Lord. Amen. You know, I look forward to these things and I hear this verse and it does bring me hope and I can I can feel the Holy Spirit almost making me lighter and comforted and I can't help but think about this world and how sad it is and how people are looking forward to anything but this. And what I mean is they're just so distracted by what this world has to offer and it just makes me feel like an alien. You know, don't don't you feel like an alien when you're really serving God? Seriously, seriously, because the Bible is clear. There are few that find the narrow path, but many stumble on the wide path. I think if you are saying that you also feel like an alien, then we can agree that we live consecrated lives. And what do I mean by that? I mean, we live our lives set apart, set apart from this world. So though we are in the world, we are not of the world. Does that make sense? We remove ourselves uh, from the sinful things. Um, we're focused on the Lord, and that's the difference. So I also want to read in 2 Thessalonians. I'm going to start in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, and it says, and this is Paul. It says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you, do not be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time? For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming." The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all righteousness, deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. 
So what do we just read here? It's Paul. He's encouraging people. Do not be troubled and do not think that God has come. Let no one deceive you by any means, it says. For that day, that's a capital D, it's not going to come unless the falling away comes first. What is the falling away? It's the falling away of the church. People are going to be less and less serious within the church, right? That is when the man of sin is revealed. And it also talks about he who restrains. What does that mean? He is a capital H when you're reading your Bible. So that is the Holy Spirit who is restraining. So in verse 7, it says, He who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. So the Holy Spirit will be removed. And there, here comes the way of the Antichrist, the lawless one revealing himself. Right? And I love this part. The Lord will consume him with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming wow so easy for the lord but this is the will of the father these things will come to pass so what do we do with this kind of information we know that the antichrist is coming the holy spirit is leaving we have uh, the truth right we have this good news to share do we just write it on a piece of paper and stick it in our pocket no we share this we sound the alarm we tell everybody right we want to warn them but also hey be hopeful the rapture is coming the antichrist is coming but also the rapture is coming right and start a conversation when we hear people today we want people to be ready for the rapture truly ready it's one thing to claim that you're ready, but then to be ready is something totally different. So I want to encourage each of you uh, who are serving the Lord so seriously, when you hear somebody sharing about what the Lord taught them, but if it's wrong, correct them. You know, saying that something's okay when it's not, correct them. Find a way to correct others in such a godly way from a place of love because you care about their soul. Because when you don't say something, you condone it right? You condone their behavior. And we read in 1 Thessalonians 4, we read that earlier, the rapture is coming. So what's going to happen exactly when the rapture arrives? The Bible tells us. So in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, and we all learn through repetition, right? And even Jesus taught in repetition uh, with various parables that have very similar lessons. A lot of repetition can be seen with how Jesus teaches in the Bible. But did you know that if we are raptured, that we receive a glorious body? Let's talk about it. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 44, where it tells us that there is a natural body and then a spiritual body, right? I'm not just making that up. The Bible tells us. And in verse 44, it says, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Boom, right there. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Verse 45, and so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit, right? So there's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. In order to be spiritual, we must first be natural. Right? Continuing in verse 47, the first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. 48, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now that's conditional. That's conditional. 
right? We don't just get the heavenly body unless we live a heavenly life, right? A righteous life according to what Jesus says. Continuing in verse 50, this talks about not being afraid to die because we have assurance that we will enter the presence of God. And verse 50 says, Now this I say, brethren, the flesh and the blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. So why do we get sick? Today, you and me, why do we get sick? Why can we catch COVID? Why can we catch colds? Why do we throw up? Because our body is corrupt, right? In verse 51, behold, Apostle Paul tells us, I will tell you a mystery. So let's read it in verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So again, another reference to sleep, which we read earlier, but we shall all be changed. Verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. So how long is a moment? It's a twinkling of an eye. So a wink, maybe a blink, a millisecond, it's not even a full second, but in the twinkling of an eye, in a moment, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So again, we just read this earlier in Thessalonians, that the dead in Christ will rise first and those who are alive and remain will meet the Lord in the air, but by no means will we precede those who are asleep. So the verse earlier was talking about um, the, the sound of the trumpet of God. And here we see it again, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. When will the dead be raised? In a moment. In a moment. At the last trumpet. In a moment. Buried or alive, in that moment, servants will be changed. Right? Servants will be changed. Graves will literally be opened and this glorious, wonderful, divine event is going to happen, right? In 52, in a moment, we just read this, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, can you wink? Wink right now. That is so fast. And that is the difference between a corrupt body and an incorrupt body. That is how quick it will change. So isn't that amazing? how the word of God agrees with other verses throughout the Bible, you have to take the entire Bible and make these connections. You have to review it all together. Too many times today do I see people picking and choosing and isolating specific verses, even taking maybe the second half of a sentence and trying to make it apply to their situation like God understands. And it's not the case. It has to be the whole Bible, all or nothing. Take it all or leave it all. Continuing in verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So that's again, a reference to our bodies. Our corrupt bodies will put on incorrupt bodies and our mortal bodies will put on immortality. We cannot die. We will no longer be subject to pain, sickness, backaches, decay. We won't be subject to it. No more COVID, right? No more cancer. All of these things, we will not be subject to it anymore, but we put on immortality. We cannot get sick. We will not die. And that is a part of this glorious new body. We will be changed. We will be changed. And the Holy Spirit, right, is inside something that will never die. That's the difference. The Holy Spirit lives in us now. It lives in us now, but we can die. But we are going to get a new body that can house the Holy Spirit and we will never, ever die. Notice that it says must, right? For this corruptible must put on incorruption. Immortal must put on immortality. Must. There's no other way. There's no other way 
to be in the presence with the Father. We must put on immortality. It's required. Verse 54. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So what does that mean? Death is swallowed up in victory means no more death. No more death. Immortal. Immortality. No more death. 55. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of the sin is the law. Verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. So again, Paul writes to his beloved brethren, that's the church. That's the servants of God. Serious servants of God. Be steadfast. Be strong right? Be immovable, always abounding in the work of God so that your labor is not in vain. Know this. Know that when you are working for the Lord, steadfast, immovable, strong, you are not laboring in vain. In fact, when you look at the grand scheme of things in our timeline on earth, we are just on earth for a speck of eternity. So working hard while we're in this speck is going to make the difference of where we spend eternity. And it's important to realize that as we are here on earth and as we're laboring and working for God, right? I mentioned earlier, I sometimes feel like an alien because I feel like sometimes I am focused on things that, you know, friends and others are just not focused on. I feel as though people don't understand what I'm doing, but that's okay, right? It doesn't deter me because I understand what I'm doing. I understand where my focus is and I understand where I am laboring. And I'm constantly reminding myself that I must get out of Egypt. And I have, right? I don't live with limitations of man. I serve God with everything that I have. We've also been talking about having a form of godliness, but denying its power, right? We were relating it to the Hebrews in Egypt because they were believers, and God was seeking to free them so that they could serve them. But the problem with the Hebrews was that they were comfortable in Egypt. They were prospering. They were growing. They had food, right? But God wanted more for them. That he wanted to meet them in the wilderness, right? To strengthen their relationship, to prosper them even more. But when we don't have a relationship with God and we're prospering, that only makes religious people, which is powerless, there's no God there. Jesus hates religion. We know this. But God tells us how we need to be if we want to gain the kingdom of heaven for ourselves. If we want to join Jesus every day and just be with him every day, live in heaven eternally. Right? And he says that in Matthew 18, starting in verse 1, be like a little child, he says, and it says, at the time of the disciples came to Jesus saying, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted to become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. But why does God say unless you are converted and become as little children. What does that mean? Why? Why a little child? I'll tell you, because little children are teachable 
they are willing to change. They cannot rationalize, right? They cannot even pause or hesitate because they are so hungry for the information, for the good news, right? And teachability is the issue today in the church. We are not going to learn God in comfort, and we must be willing to unlearn the things that the world has taught us. If we want to progress in the Lord, we must be childlike, like a little child. God is learned in discomfort. The Bible talks about the rich man, and this is why it is difficult for the rich man to learn God. Because he's comfortable, right? And in order for the rich man to get uncomfortable, he needs to get rid of his riches, which is very hard for a rich man. So again, the Hebrews were comfortable. And where are we most dependent on God? The wilderness. That's why God wanted them in the wilderness. He wanted them to have nothing so that they had to depend on him so that they could strengthen their relationship in God. And leaders cannot be raised from comfort. The leaders are raised from discomfort. Those in difficult situations grow to be leaders. And those with silver spoons, they don't know how to lead. They don't know how to lead. And I mentioned earlier, again, about being an alien, right? A lot of people say in this world, oh, Christians are so weird. But I actually think that the world is weird. You know that there's this good news available. And even hearing the good news, they live in such a way where they do the opposite. They're striving for comfort and self-pleasure and everything that Jesus says that we should be, they are not. And we must be like a little child. The more you tell somebody who isn't seriously serving God that they need to be like a little child, the more that they act superior. They do the opposite, right? Not childlike, but childish. You know what I mean? So we wouldn't even have a problem in the church today if we could all be like a child. The church would grow, Jesus would be so happy, and we would be ready to go make disciples. And some hear the command of God to go, yet so many continue to hear the same commandment without going. Forever learning, but no action, always sitting in the pew. And today in the church, there is so much training. There are so many activities to keep the church busy but not enough going, not enough making disciples, not enough spreading the good news. We're supposed to be leading others to repentance, right? So their souls can be destined for eternity with Jesus. And the demons, they continue to attack church members and the members don't even know how to discern it, right? Today, there are so many churches operating on their own and they're not Holy Spirit led right? They're not discerning. There's not miracles. They're not being like a child and hearing the information. And if you're taking a step back because I just mentioned demons, if you don't believe in Satan and demons, you better think again because Jesus taught us these things for a reason. The more we should know our enemy if we want to overcome them. It's just like sports. We talk about that on this podcast too. Aren't these burdens? Don't you have burdens? like this, that there are so many just ignoring and walking around not knowing even though that the invitation was given to them already and they just haven't responded? That is lukewarm behavior and lukewarms, they are going to hell. I was talking to somebody recently who said, Jesus doesn't condemn. And that's not true. Jesus condemned religious people in the Bible. He condemned the Pharisees. He condemned them to hell. And this is in Matthew chapter 23, verse 13. And Jesus is writing this. 
But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! Jesus said that. For you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. Therefore, you will receive greater condemnation. Verse 15, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. So that's one, two, three times Christ has called them hypocrites. I said earlier, we learn by repetition. So the Pharisees should have heard this loud and clear. And Jesus continues, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte. But when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Right? So Jesus is calling them hypocrites. He's saying you shut up the kingdom of heaven and don't go in yourselves. And he is telling the Pharisees and scribes directly that you travel so far to win just one, yet you make him a bigger son of hell than you. Jesus does condemn. He does. And today, where are the homosexuals going? Hell. Because Jesus said, murderers, abusers, those who are promiscuous, liars, going to hell. Hell is real. Hell is so real and it is up to you and I to really evaluate our lives to ensure that we know where we are going. We can't sit here today and say, oh, I think I'm going here. You need to know. You need to know. So you don't want to go to hell, right? Who wants to go to hell? It's eternal weeping and gnashing of teeth so terrible, so hot, so miserable, pain like we have never even felt in this body. You don't want to go to hell. So become like a child. Again, be willing to unlearn what the world has taught you so that you may be teachable to God. Get to the wilderness. Get to that place of nothing. Turn away from this world so that you depend on nothing but Jesus. And remember in the Bible, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, these were religious people, the people that Jesus condemned, and they believed that they were righteous, but they weren't. And they were attending church every Sunday, they were praying, they were tithing, yet they were called sons of hell who only convert more and worse sons of hell. So how is it that you can be sure that you can think like a child? And how is it that you can be sure that you will receive a glorious body? The answer is repentance. You must be serious and repent to Jesus Christ. Repent, turn away from this world. You cannot just tell yourself to think like a child. You must be converted to a child of God and repentance is the only way to do that. If you are saved in obeying the Lord in all things and doing everything he says, you will escape hell and you will see heaven with Christ. So it's up to you. It's up to me. It's our choice. You can take it or leave it. And I'll leave you with this. Are you going to be childish or childlike? Thank you so much. God bless you all.